Good morning and good afternoon and welcome to my podcast, My Love of Life Energy. And today I am honored with the guest of Adriana Velez. And Adriana is a feminine engine, a feminine energy mentor. She's a devotee to the mystery and she's a Reiki master teacher. And with that, welcome. I'm so honored to have you here. Mm, thank you so much, Anna. I am so delighted and honored to be here with you. So I have known Adriana um, for years, and the truth of my experience is that I was never comfortable with her because I was scared of my own feminine energy. And I remember one day I, I walked out of the woods um, or the lake by in Lafayette Reservoir, and she was there. And I could feel, I could feel your power and your connection to this mystery. And it's mind blowing to me. Mm. Thank you. Thank you also for just naming, not feeling comfortable initially with your own inherent power. I'm so curious. How did you, how did you come into this? How did you get hooked into this world? You know, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful question that I sometimes ask myself, but it it's almost like it, it had already consumed me. There wasn't, um, I think I've always been on this path from the first time that I had my moon cycle from my first blood and doing, you know, working with my blood ritually and knowing that there was something sacred about it. No one taught me. And at a young age, I, uh, I found myself in a situation where I had to leave home very early and I was welcomed into the arms of Reiki and healing. And it was what got me through so much turmoil. So it's almost like the path had already claimed me. There was no other way for me. It's just been, I believe in, in free will and choice. And I also believe in destiny and some things are destined and being a devotee to the goddess was just in the stars for me. It was already and, and in my, my blood and bones. When you, um, I love the word, uh, a devotee or a devoted to the, the mystery. Mm-hmm. And it's such a powerful word. And what does that mean to you? Mm. Well, when I think of a devotee, I feel like there is an outpouring of love. Mm -hmm. I see this like brought to my knees physically, spiritually, every part of my being by just being overtaken by the, the wondrousness that is life, the wonder that being alive on a planet with living oceans, that we are the only planet in this galaxy with living oceans and love and magic. And there's just the mystery of suffering, the mystery of joy. Um, I feel like it's the the pulse, the heartbeat that moves through all of life. And 
I'm just, it's so in awe and every day in every way as my own mm, kind of barriers to love disintegrate, I'm, I'm torn open more and more. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, it, it gives me the opportunity to really kneel at the feet of love. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. Oh, thank you. I have to take a breath for that. So for the listeners who don't know Reiki, would you share what that is and and the power of it and what it offers people? Oh, yes, absolutely. I love sharing about Reiki because I do believe it is one of the the main things that saved my life um, as a as a young on the run teenager in very perilous situations, and so I like to to share about Reiki with these three sacred pillars. And the first one, well, let me back up just a little bit. Reiki essentially means universal life force energy. So if you feel into just the pure potential of life force, of chi, of prana that runs in all things, that is what Reiki is. And the the three pillars to make it a little bit more um, of an experience is the first thing is that it's softening our nervous system. It is helping us get out of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, which most of us are in at some level. And so it really allows us to have this exquisite and rare moment of actual deep relaxation. And when we have those moments, because the body is a self-organizing being, it can just immediately heal itself. So there's a lot of hospitals that use Reiki um, pre and post-surgery in oncology and cardiology, and they use it a lot for mental health. So insomnia, depression, anxiety, it has helped so many people with anxiety, myself included. The second pillar is that it is not the energy of your practitioner. It is, again, that pure universal life force energy, and it goes into our etheric biofield, so the auric field, as well as the physical body, and it starts to very precisely, gently, yet powerfully remove what I call psychic scar tissue or psychic debris. So that's mm. where we have like unmetabolized, um, unmetabolized trauma or pain or grief or energy. And it lets the chi move through the body like a wild and free running river, like how we are designed to be. Wow. (laughs) I mean, we see children and they come in and there are these, you know, little supernovas of life force. And that is how we're built and designed. But we don't have all of these rituals and wellness in place to continue to run that level of chi. So it starts to unblock the dam. And then the last pillar is for me, the poetry of Reiki. It is why it is my main energetic healing modality. And that is it returns you to your true nature. 
a return mm-hmm. to your true nature, the you beyond language, the you beyond patterning and conditioning and traumas and ego. It returns you to your true nature and to your your dreams and what what you're here to experience. So it, you know, it is Reiki is the mystery. No one knows how it works. None of these kind of pillars were taught to me. I discovered them from working with people for over 25 years. And I noticed a theme and I noticed people make different choices when they're receiving the energy. All of a sudden, the relationship that they have felt stuck in for decades, all of a sudden they have the energy and they 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 leave or they get the new job or they start painting because they've always wanted to express art. So it allows us to make the choices that our soul actually wants to make, but that fear will sometimes block us from doing or making. Oh my God, those are beautiful examples. When you said the wildness, um, I could feel it. Yeah. I could feel how you know the wild energy. Yeah. (laughs) And how it gets so, um, like in the mental world, how we block it out so we can fit in. Yeah. Yeah. We all want to belong. And then we lose that like sexy, feral, wild aliveness. Mm. Mm. And how do you practice that for yourself? Or how do you share with your clients? For them to practice it themselves. You know, it is so, so easy when we're talking about Reiki. Um, there is really all we have to do is put our hands on our body. So when I practice, I put my hands on my body or I, I know how to open up my channel by working with the symbols and the mantras, but you do not even need to be Reiki attuned to have access to it because it's pure universal life force. So when I'm working with clients, I will just have them find a comfortable spot to place their hand on their heart and on the womb, on the belly. There's also some Taoist hand positions on the head that they can do, but I find that it's more comfortable to have the hands on the heart and the belly, and it immediately soothes us. The touch, we are electrical energetic beings, and we can self-soothe and open up the stream of awareness with touch and just being curious, just having curiosity and letting it flow. Well, that's so beautiful. I can feel how your voice is an instrument for people to follow into the body. Mm, Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. I've learned that working with the voice and the words that, that we choose can create a deeper experience. Mm. Say more about that. Would you please? Because I can feel the power of what you see. Hmm. Yeah, what you do, you're it's very um, I can feel the intentionality and the wisdom in it. Mm. 
Thank you. Well, I'll share something with our listeners that I shared with you before. And I, if I remember correctly, it, it struck a chord with you. So I'll share it here. So in the, the Egyptian cosmology, Egyptian mythos, there is the great goddess Isis, Isis, the queen of Heka, the mother of alchemy, the first physician along with Sekhmet. And this, this queen mother of Heka, Heka is a word that has two, that has many meanings, but we'll go with the two meanings that, that I really understand. One is Heka is a god in, in Egypt, a god of magic. And the other, as it relates to Isis and, and what you asked me, is Heka is a word that means magic, that means the divine utterance that we create with our speech, with our tongue, with our voice. And as vibrational beings, when we are hearing and speaking and singing, we are attuning. That's creating its own shift in frequency. And then the words that we choose, the intention around the words that we choose, it's quite literally active spell casting. So there's this way that I, I, I personally pray every day to be a vessel of Heka. And there's a way in which if we are intentional with our words, we are co-creating with the mystery, with the divine. We are calling things forward. We're casting things out. We are um, edifying one another, elevating our ancestors, um, amplifying love, celebration, grief. And so I, I really, especially when I'm, when I'm working with people, I find that people come to this work in a vulnerable space. You know, they're, they're, they're reaching out with an open heart saying help. And I'm looking for guidance. Their soul knows, you know, and, and my, my, my job as a soul guide is to just direct them back into their selves and into their own mystery. But I find it a great honor and I take it quite seriously when I find someone knocking at my door because there's, they're typically in a vulnerable place. And I find it's very important that the words that I choose to share with them are planting a seed in their consciousness. And so I'm devoted to planting seeds of magic and infinite possibility and beauty and love and really fanning their own heart flame to awaken their own magic. So I work with word as a, a wand, like a, an extension of me as a magical tool, the Heka. It's um, so funny that you just said that right before we got on this podcast, um, you know, that I'm into the gene keys yes. and I was um, reading the 31st and 62nd gene key. That's all about words and that language. We're now controlled by language. We don't control it. It controls us. And you just spoke exactly what they just said. Wow. 
Oh my gosh. I love, I love that right before you got on, you were already like in the weave with words. <laughs> it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so perfect. Yeah. So you also said that I love this, and this is the part that um being a woman, and I'm I am. Um, when I met you, your energy is so feminine, it is so it is so beautiful, and you are a feminine energy mentor. Mm-hmm. And I want the listeners to understand it because my experience of you is you embody that. Mm. Like you, this is now an intentional word. You don't teach it. You, um, you're not a guy, but you are. You're an embodiment of it. Mm. But I'd like to show what it is that you're seeing and your understanding of why this is so important and part mm. of what you're doing. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that question and that reflection. It feels good to be seen as someone who does embody the the primordial feminine life force energy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to name that this question makes me emotional because it is so important to me. And I believe that this is so important in this time and in all times, but especially in this time, because we need mothers and grandmothers and daughters rising and leading the world. Mothers do not go to war. Beings, mothers do not go to war, do not choose war. And I believe that the goddess that has been, she was never forgotten. She's always been here. But with the the rise of patriarchy and other forms and systems of oppression, we have forgotten a lot of our old ways. And as women, we gather in a circle and we sing and we chant and we take care of our children together and we cook together and we take care of one another and to turn this energy on within us, our Shakti, our Eros, our sensuousness, it has the power to change things. The wisdom of the elders, the wisdom of the grandmothers, when women are empowered and in their leadership, we are living a very different world. The first shamans thousands of years ago have been discovered to be women. The oracles, we have the power to see Every woman, I believe, is an oracle. We all have an oracular nature. We have the power to to create and destroy life. We are creating and destroying life in our own life all the time. And so there is a way in which when we return to our feminine power, 
we awaken our own inner heart flame and the, the wisdom of our womb. And I believe that the stories of the old ones, the stories of our indigenous ways and the ways that, that we have cared for one another in our communities can really make a huge shift in our own life and in the life of the planet. I mean, we live on a planet that is a living goddess. She's a living being. It is a, a mother frequency, Mama Gaia. It's actually pronounced Yaya in Greek. <laughs> yeah, so we're literally living and existing on a feminine life force planet that is like, has a heartbeat and a womb. And um, that that's just it in a nutshell. <laughs> What, when you say when women are in their leadership, what does that look like to you? Mm, mm. You know, it looks like different things for for every every being, every woman. But what that it's a felt sense. It's a sense of a woman showing up, sitting or standing tall, not collapsed over in their body. It is a woman who is confident in speech, who can speak with love and clarity, who can ask for what they want and give generously. It is a spirit of generosity, of a generous way of giving our gifts and of not shrinking in fear, of not shrinking or dimming our light because we are afraid to ruffle feathers. If we are not ruffling feathers at some point, we are not doing our job. Hmm. Say more about that. That's, um, there's you something know, powerful and beautiful. Mm. And I'd like, if you'd be willing to expand on that. Yeah, I would love to. You know, one of my um, literary heroes and mentors is Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She wrote Women Who Run With the Wolves. And she talks about that a lot in her in her book. And I can't quite remember the quotes, but that if, if we're not somehow um, like creating like... Um, for lack of a better word, like pissing people off at some point, we're not living loud and wild enough. And I think that's true because I think when we are unabashedly ourself, when we are not so polished and manicured, it, we're going to upturn some boats now and again, and that it's okay, that it's safe. We don't always have to agree in this world that we can all have a voice and an opinion and that there is room and that we can be in curiosity with conflicting beliefs that we don't live in a binary realm. We live in a full spectrum, liminal gray space. And there's this like hot temper of certainty that we can get at times when we feel that we are right. And it's, you know, and that that has its place. But I think that a true wild and wise woman 
is bound to ruffle feathers. Look at the wrathful goddesses. Look at Kali, Baba Yaga, Sekhmet. They take no Mm. shit, but they're here to serve the greater good of harmony, Ma'at. It, 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 um, what I can feel is it's out of love. It's It's like holding somebody to their highest being. Yes. Saying it. I think that's what you're saying. It's like, I'm willing to say my, speak my truth for, because of my love for you and for to hold you to your highest. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that really is the the gift of the the dark mother of the the darker versions of the goddess is to some of those whips and flames and swords are the sword of compassion doesn't always feel good to receive the sword of compassion but it ultimately cuts away layers of delusion and obscuration and suffering to get to the truth and the heart and the magic I'm curious, do you see that we've been talking a lot about women, but do you see, because in my world, human beings have a feminine and masculine side. Men obviously don't have the womb, but I believe, and I'm wondering if you see that or what you see around that. Yeah, I 100% agree that we all have a masculine, feminine, yin, yang life force in all beings. Absolutely. And I was listening to one of my teachers say recently when we were talking about the womb space, and she was saying that even men can tap into this primordial power in their lower Dantian, you know, that place below the navel that there is an etheric and energetic womb of creation Mm. that we all have access. It just manifests different in different beings. And some, it's really funny that you asked that because I was having a conversation with one of my nearest and dearest. And I always joke, you know, he, he's a, a, his, a cis, gendered man. And I always tell him you embody the goddess more than anyone I've, I've ever met. And it's just fascinating. And so it isn't necessarily gender specific. Hmm. I just see though, the beauty of um, connecting in, like leaving the intellect. Yes. And connecting into this divine space. within within every human being within me within everyone yes Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it's available to all beings why do you think that i'm just curious why do you why do you see people are so afraid of this place or they don't go there you know my sense is a lot of it is cultural that we haven't been living in a patriarchal world where the goddess has been 
minimized or even demonized. We have been taught to fear these primordial powers. I mean, look at how even we've been taught to hide our blood and the fact that we bleed and to not talk about it or look at it. And again, it it, it couldn't be any more feminine than the fact that we release every single month with a moon cycle. So there's all of these different ways culturally that we have been really taught to turn away from what is our power and our magic. And I think also sometimes we fear what is powerful. It's like an unknown that if we don't have a blueprint for it, it can be frightening. But I often find that the frightening things like the the dark shimmering forest is inviting. It's actually where our magic resides. Well, I, I read through the gene keys that fear is actually a chemical reaction that's become habituated. <sighs> I just love yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. But we don't have to be afraid of our fear. Yeah. We don't have to be afraid of our fear. It's information and it can be an ally if we turn towards it. It's like, um, I don't know if you've, if you're familiar with that book, feeding, feeding your demons of learning how to actually turn and create allyship with, with the quote unquote demons and then unlocking the treasures that they hold. Yeah. Beautiful. Adrian, we are, um, we've come to the end, which I cannot believe. I think this is the fastest podcast I've ever had. <laughs> it does feel quite fast. Um, I want people who are drawn to your work to find you. Thank you. And where do they find you? And it will be in the link to the bio, but I really want this to be spoken and mm. put into the universe. Thank you. So you can find me at my website, which is Sweet Medicina. Dot com And then on Instagram, I go by my full name, which is Adriana Renee Velez. And mm. I won't spell it out since the, it'll be on the show notes. Um, but yeah, that is, those are the two easiest ways to find me. How beautiful. Thank you so much for this time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was a delight and an honor. Mm.